All right, friends. Oh boy, what did I accidentally click? Oh, I accidentally hit click. I had the window. I had to hit on hit start on LBS, and then it. And then when I click back in the window, it selected the quit thingy, and then oh no. I had attempted to open the program before starting OBS just to fix this problem. Alright, hey friends, hello. Spoo so this is the this is the spooky Halloween episode that I'm gonna put out as soon as uh, as soon as I'm done recording this, right away. Um as with the Bayonetta episode, this will not have an impact on, on other productions. In fact, uh, sometime yesterday or today, there was already an episode, I believe, but whatever. Anyway, this is Necrobarista Final Pour, which is the closest to a spooky game that I felt likely to want to play this Halloween. Um, I think we play as a barista that like interacts with the dead or some... Or the dying... Or the soon to die, or the previously recently died. Oh, we're getting a loading animation. Hmm. Oh, okay. We see a girl uh, asleep. It's the camera zoomed in. We only see one of her eyes, like on the side of her, like half of her face takes up the full frame. We're very zoomed. Do I click? <gasps> I do click. They thought of the faraway grave on the plain. They thought of the comrade who came not again. They lifted their glasses and sadly they said, and then her eye opens. We drink to the name of the mate who is dead, Henry Lawson. I'm having to click a whole bunch. Um, it's too bloody damp down here. I know we're underground, but... I don't suppose there are any windows we could open. There's a ventilation duct in here somewhere. Maddie, mind opening it up? Get some fresh air circulating? Other end's blocked right now. There's a dumpster sitting on top of it. You have to grin and bear it. Mmm. The camera's pointed at everything except the two people who seem to be conversing. There's a clock with glowing uh, clock arms. Can we hurry this up? Calm your farm, old man. You're well aware it takes a while to set up. I don't appreciate your tone. <laughs> Sorry. At the very least, can we turn on some lights? The rubbish you've got scattered around the place, I'd like to at least know where I'm putting my feet. Ashley, would you mind? Alright, the light clicks on. We see five people, I think. Maybe four. I think that. I don't think any of these people are mannequins. Thanks. <sighs> You're more organized than last time, I see. <sighs> Practice makes perfect. Hey, Maddie! How much more wire do we need? I think that's enough. Alright, we've got some sort of summoning circle on the ground in the middle of this sewer room. Great. Oh, Maddie stands up, and she's got some fancy-looking, like, shoes. I think they're, like, basketball shoes or something. And also some fishnets. It's pretty good. Now, Jay? What's up, little bee? I found you a chair. Ah, thank you. So Che has a seat. So, this whole thing. Surely it's not legal, yeah? Maddie wasn't clear on that. Yes, the council found it... confronting. For good reason, I suppose. Because it utterly upsets the natural order. Alright, so this is a guy. We got a bunch of people here. Uh, mate, 
It's not just a bureaucracy. Shush you. Most rules can be bent, after all. And Maddie has a particular fascination with breaking rules, as I'm sure you've realized. Hey, don't give her all the credit. Uh, there's the, the other girl that, we're, that I'm trying to do the higher voice on is working some sort of control panel. It's like, like sound equipment controls. There's like a whole bunch of little settings everywhere, you know? Bah! Is this related to her gambling for time? Mm-hmm. So, the transfer. Was the same sort of magic we're doing now, yes. Small scale, though. Doing it on a larger scale requires a bit more preparation. The council successfully suppressed all available information about it, though. For good reason! What happens if something goes wrong? Well, you don't tend to mess it up more than once. Or try it again after you fail, for that matter. Stubborn scholars, notwithstanding. What do you even call this sort of magic, then? So the light blinks out, but the rune circle on the ground is glowing enough at this point. doesn't matter. Questions are relevant, because it's banned. Extremely cool! That's what I call it! Well, by definition, it's a conduit ritual. But hey, we're among friends, so we can call it what it really is. And then, I think our main girl here closes the book. Camera zooms in on her face. She's got enormous glasses. Amazing character design. Necromancy. Loading screen. From your hazy memories, a certain word calls out to you. Necromancy. You try desperately to remember what it meant. And then the word necromancy turns red. Death. And then a skull. The fragment of a memory state. Well, this is a cartoon skull. It's not, it's not like, it's, it's a little spooky, but it's not like gnarly. This fragment of a memory stays with you. Piece together the past. Remember what transpired. Never forget, you are scattered. Practice forbidden fascination blunders. A whole bunch of red words are appearing everywhere. Got any coffee? Take a drink. I just realized that I'm drinking coffee uh, because I'm playing early just after having gotten up, but also the game is called Necro Barista, so we're in character, you know? Okay, um, we got first-person controls, um, but the mouse sensitivity is a little bit low, so we're gonna just crank that bad boy up to maximum, and then hit back and- oh! I almost hit quit again, I- Alright, even on max, it's not where I'd like it to be, but I guess we're not playing Halo here, so it's fine. We're walking through an alley. There's a bunch of bushes in pots all across the sidewalk on the left and right. We've come across... Press and hold left click to inspect a memory. Confirm. Actually, you know, should I get a controller for this? I'm gonna... Hold on, friends. I'm gonna get a controller. I can't hear you, I don't have the headphones on yet. There we go, now I can hear you. 
Listeners, I am already enjoying these soft tunes. And I'm really hoping that this just plugs in and automatically detects the controller going on here. Oh yeah, oh my gosh, look at this. With maximum sensitivity, the, the right stick is doing what it should, even though the mouse doesn't. So they just need to patch that mouse. Okay, so, whoa, whoa, we got, oh my gosh. Okay, this is actually a little too much. Let's go to config. Let's go to controls and camera sensitivity. Well, let's try 75%, how about that? That's usable. Okay. So the rule sign, when I hover the indicator over, it says terminal house rules, and then a whole bunch of words, like in a cloud, just like bounce around like particles and some sort of goofy thing. Uh, I can hit A to read it. Maddie's rules number one, something, something. We welcome both living and dead. Patrons will be served by, in the order they arrived. Don't ask who's alive. It's rude. If someone wants to know, they'll tell you. The dead have 24 hours to spend within the premises before moving on. Strictly enforced. No, we don't have Wi-Fi. Report broken items and other anomalies to staff. We can't clean up your broken glass or spatial rift if we don't know about it. Don't feed the Eidolons. They can't eat, and offering them food just reminds them of this cruel fact. Alright, so there's six rules. Uh, the door's open, and now we can go inside. It is raining outside, but we can step inside the cafe where there's no rain, but there's a glowy tree in part of the middle of the room. The The front room is like two... Like, the, the front of this main area is like two stories tall, you know? And then there's like a balcony off to one side, but the in the two-story tall portion, uh, there's a glowing tree, and we have part one! see a coffee being filled up at an espresso machine. Uh, our, I think this is our heroine who's making espresso. The terminal, Carlton, Victoria, Australia, 3053. Well, how you doing, Dan K? Excerpts from online reviews. Pretty unremarkable coffee. Barista speaks Chinese, but exclusively uses it to mock people to their faces. I'm very self-conscious about my top hat now. Observed little girl running around cafe with knife, unsupervised. Came down with deep sense of ennui after visiting. Was rudely told to stop being a dweebus after complaining about burnt taste in coffee. The coffee's some of the best I've ever had. Five stars. Disclosure, I have no taste buds. The door closes. I should be clear, the, the words the door closes appear on the screen. Um, so... Every time I hit A, it sort of advances the frame, but the frame itself um, is sometimes like frozen and then like the camera will move through the scene, but none of the animation will move. So here we have a shot from like the camera set on the ground and a person's walking past the camera towards um, the ordering counter. And like this whole scene is frozen. Um, I kind of like it. It has a comic book feel. It has like a, the way that the bay, you remember how Bayonetta works in Bayonetta 1, um, how the camera would often like cut between nearly frozen frames. That's what, that's what we're talking about here. All right, so we see this is a guy, he's kind of muscular in very tight outfit. Like he's some sort of military guy or like about, well, I guess he, I was about to say gonna work out, but he's got like jeans on, so probably not. Maybe he's gonna do construction or something. Um, and then we see, our gal at the counter. Oh, the guy looks nervous. We cut in on him and he looks nervous. And she says, hey, mate, you right? 
Ah. You, you can see me? Clear as day, yeah? What can I get you? I, I, um, I, I've been walking around for hours. Nobody was talking to me. I, I don't even know how I got here. I think you'll find it was via the front door. <laughs> okay, right. Um, where am I? She sets a glass on the counter. This, dearly departed, is the terminal. Carlton's finest. Departed? They say our coffee's to die for. Cut to, he's he's been served a coffee and he's sitting in front of the counter. So, uh, I don't really know how to go about this. Ask me anything, man. You're not the first disheveled dead guy to drop in, and I'm sure you won't be the last. Uh, takes a sip. What does everyone else ask? They generally ask, what does everyone else ask? Ah, oh, shit. And they always say that. Uh, then there's the embarrassed silence. Alright, alright, I get it. You make a habit of bullying everyone who comes through, or just the pitiful ones? It's almost exclusively the latter. I guess that's consistent. I always felt like people saw me as a pitiful guy. Sorry, I was actually just kidding there. No, no, you're right. I'm a fucking sad sack. Boss hated me, family hated me, work sucked. Just like everything else about me. Now, I'm never even going to have a chance to make things better for myself. That's it. Stick a fork in me. I'm done. Hey, hey come on. I'm sitting in a cafe for dead people falling apart in front of the barista. Mate, pull it together! Uh, number one rule, no breakdowns in the cafe, please. I promise, man, you are okay. I know how it is. Are, are you dead? No, and I don't know if you read the rules outside, but... God, I did, yes. You can't even get that right. In that case, you also have read that you have 24 hours left before you gotta move on to the next place. I don't think you want to spend them having one long, extended panic attack. 24 hours? Ah, oh, shit. What I'm saying is, uh, everything's okay. Just take some deep breaths. We'll sort this out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't want to be a fuss. Cafe is empty. It's not like I got anything else going on. Don't worry about it. Are you sure? I'm kind of a burden. You're not promise. Chin up, mate. Let me tell you about the building. It's got some cool, it's got some cool history. So the first time I came here was about four years ago. We've transitioned and we're back to the cafe. I'm not entirely sure what these yellow, what these occasional yellow title cards, like the previous sentence, um, are all about, but I like them. They're stylish. It feels like I'm. It feels like I'm playing Bakemono Katari. It's what it feels like, like the anime version, you know. <clears throat> and that's why you should never ever serve a martini to a dead biker, even if he specifically asks for one. She's operating the coffee stuff as she gives this story. Huh? Out of all the possible ways to react to that, that one's I certainly didn't expect. Yeah, no point in seeking eternal vengeance if you're gonna have to leave in a few hours anyway. It kinda strips it of meaning, you know? There's just no way to tell whether you really even care once you cross over. But then again, maybe I'm just being a buzzkill about it. Shouldn't go around policing people's reactions to things. Hmm. I'm, um, still wrapping my head around all this. Death, that is. 
pours another little shot of espresso. Feels weird to say it, doesn't it? Yeah, weird. That's the word. So, you said most people don't ever find out how they died before they pass? Even if they got murdered or something? Yep. Most people don't die for murder. It's mostly sickness, or old age, or lawnmower accidents. Well, they call them accidents, but really, loads of lawnmowers are possessed by evil spirits. Now that said... Alright, hold on just a moment. You can't drop that and move on. Possessed lawnmowers? Seriously? Anything with spinning blades attracts them. Garden equipment, blenders, power saws... They're a real pain in the arse. Gotta do at least one or two exorcisms a month on the coffee grinder. That's wild. She puts something in a little, like, walking trash can and it walks off to take the trash out back, I guess. So, I know I'm breaking the rules again, but how many people in here are dead? Y yeah, it's a cafe for dead people. Does that mean it's everyone? Or are some of these people just really into ghost cafes? Well, there's no one else here besides you, buddy. A little of column A, a little of column B. Plenty of mortals come through, but this is one of the only crossing points in the country, so we get a lot of your type. It's also why the rent is so high, because those vampires who own the place know that we get a lot of foot traffic. L literal vampires? No. Like boomers, landlord class. Ah. Same thing, I guess. So to answer your question, uh, there are nine customers in here right now. What, out of those nine, yourself included, I'd say four or five of them are just passing through on their way to the next place. How can you tell? Once you've worked here for a while, you get sort of a sixth sense for this kind of thing. Gotcha. Speaking of sixth sense, I've got one for trouble. Huh? You have two sixth senses? Oh! It's, uh, it's the, the girl who was messing with the controls in the, in the opening thing. Hello, Ashley. But this girl is short. I don't know if she's... She's, like, shorter than an adult could be short. I think she's supposed to be quite young. Ashley had adopted the cafe staff a couple years back, much in the same way that a puppy adopts a squeaky toy. Ah. She was kind of ferociously smart kid who absorbed information like a sponge, but only used it to cause trouble. Today, she was accompanied by the stench of motor oil and brought with her a look that said, I'm an invincible genius. Um, it says I can push ZR to inspect the keyboard. Oh, inspect keyword. Okay, so some of these words have been yellow. I thought it was just, you know, like a word is a special color in Ocarina of Time. But if I hold ZR, then it gives us an extra word, extra info about the word genius. Ashley has fancied herself a genius ever since the day that Maddie invited her to become a spunky sidekick. All right, sure. She was mostly right about that one. All right, I know that look. Spit it out. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Cut the crap, kid. What are you after? I'm busy dealing with a customer. Uh, I'm not needing any attention. Shut up, Kishan. I need an extra pair of hands and none of my Ashlings are around to help. Don't you have any clamps? We got a bunch for your birthday last month. They're all being used for other very important things. <laughs> Cut to yellow title card, parentheses, they were not. Pretty sure I saw one on a table upstairs earlier. Uh, no, I really need to help her. Ashley, I'm busy. Please? Hey, 
I could probably ease. I could. Come on, Ashley. You've got to let us work. I'm not going to get anything done down here if I have to keep going upstairs to find the screwdrivers you've misplaced. Ah, uh, but hey, no dice. Uh, what about Che? He could help me. But what about... He's emptying the dishwasher. Sound familiar? Er, it should be because I told you about it an hour ago. Oh, oh, <laughs> It's really no trouble. Oh! Why don't I take this guy? Only thing he's busy with is being dead! Hey, c come on. Ashley! I'm not gonna argue with you about this. I'm sure he would rather relax than be bossed around. Also, manners. We've talked about this. You've got to be more respectful in front of the customers. Please! I'm happy to go upstairs. Really, it's fine. I don't have anything else going on. And I'm super dead. I'm cool with it. I am Kishan, very dead guy, happy to help. You sure? I can just send her back upstairs. Promise! It's fine. I'll just sit around and be a pain otherwise. Perfect. Come, peon! We've work to do. Ashley wasn't getting enough attention, but with Maddie's newfound responsibilities, some sacrifices had to be made. That meant the kid would just have to occupy herself more often than not. All right, so let's be clear here. Ashley is the little child genius. Maddie is the barista herself. The necro barista. She still felt guilty as hell about it, and... You know, this place needs more plants. Ah! Jesus Christ, Jay! You're gonna give me a heart attack, you old bastard. Okay, for the record, Che is not that old looking. Che couldn't be 40, no way. What's on your mind? Head in the clouds, as per usual. Did I look like I was thinking weighty thoughts? Excruciatingly so. What's going on? Nothing important, just my resting bitch face. Nope, this one's different. How so? Your facial expression is reminding me of the time you tried to fist fight that cosplayer. Oh, the samurai. The one who barged in waving his gift store katana around a demanding satisfaction after I refused to put 15 shots in his coffee. Weirdly specific. What's it look like? Looks like he got threatened with thousand-fold Nippon steel. It's a precious memory, so I remember it very clearly. A mix of deep disgust, a whole bunch of derision, and a tiny pitch of pity. Yep. That's me. What a mood. And then we have a, a silent shot. So upstairs, <clears throat> I mentioned there's an upstairs of the balcony. Uh, there are some standard stairs upstairs to a, there's like bookshelves everywhere on the upper floor. It's like a barista, it's like a cafe um, library combo thing. You all right though? Real talk. I'm fine. I'm actually fine, fine, or let's not talk about it, fine. The second one. There we go. Offer's still open if you'd like to talk things out. In the meantime, sorry. Can I grab that tea towel? My hands are wet. Oh, uh, yeah, here you go. So, did the dishes need hand washing, or? I'm sure I told Ashley to empty the dishwasher earlier. Nah, things busted. Door latch won't close. Might call the repairman. Ashley shouldn't wash him by hand anyway. Her arm would corrode, so I did it. Not a problem. Yeah, fair enough. So like I mentioned, uh, it'll need a repair unless you want to let Ashley at it. 
I'd call the repairman myself, but our landline stopped working last week. We have a landline? Yes. Ancient technology. An, an inelegant tool for a less civilized age. Only works when you pay the bill, though. I don't know if it'd be cheaper to get it repaired or just buy a new one and give actually the old one for parts. The costs are pretty close, all things considered. <sighs> hey, don't work too hard. You'll worry yourself into an early grave. Hey, you spent 50 years digging holes. That sounds like pretty tough work, old man. Ow, old man. For your information, I'm barely a uh, 170-ish. I'm failing to see the inaccuracy. It was during a literal gold rush. Everyone was doing it. Only thing different about me is that I eventually started digging up things more interesting than gold. Only kind of gold I'm interested in is brown gold. Coffee, I mean coffee, shut up. Hmm. She turns back to the coffee machines. Hey, so, hmm? It's just another stress in the stress pile, but I think we need to put it in order for more kitchenware soon. Uh, yeah, another thing, that costs money. We're beginning to run out of cutlery, though. It keeps disappearing, not sure where. I don't know how long it can wait before we get more. All right, we see the little, oh, the, the bin that I thought was a trash can that could walk is in fact like a little tiny crab robot with just a giant box on top. Don't know if we can afford that this month. Just, you know, everything's a bit too pricey right now. Doesn't help that the coffee cartels keep pushing prices up. I don't think the importer is part of a cartel. They're quite nice. I've seen photos of their kids. You ever spoken to them? They're obviously criminals with the prices they charge. Wholesale my arse. And yet we keep buying from them. Well, yeah, the beans are good, man. It's just everything else on top of them that's stressing me out. Ah, yes. I'd happily accept some of the blame for that. It's fine, you don't have to. I know, it's all on me. Just gotta figure out how to pay everything off. Everything and everyone? Uh... The shitty council of death and the doubly shitty time debt we owe to them are the last thing I want to think about right now. I've lost enough sleep over it already. Hey, I I'm, I'm here to help. I'm worried about you, you know? You've had a lot of responsibility dropped on you in a very short period of time, and I couldn't help but feel a little bit culpable for that. I know, yeah, I know, and you, I can't thank you enough. It's alright. Hold yourself together. We'll figure it out as a team, just like we always have. I just don't want to deal with it, you know? I get it. And I don't want you to feel like I'm imposing or interfering too much. I know the cafe is yours now, and even though things are a bit much at the moment, I know I keep saying this, Maddie, but I don't know how much time we have to deal with all this before things start falling apart. Things are already falling apart. But you're gonna have to face reality at some point, you know that, right? Ooh, camera shot to her clenching her fist, Arthur style. Jay, oh my god, yes I know! I don't need any more reminders from you! Back off, man! The council's always on my mind! I can't escape them! My best is all I can do, okay? Just because you're my best friend and my old boss and my mentor doesn't mean I need you preaching at me about how I need to deal with my problems because they're my problems now, not yours! Alright, no worries, I'll give you some space! Might, uh, go check on Ashley! You seen her recently? She's upstairs. 
Dragon customer up there, talking about clamps or something. I'd better go rescue them then. Be back in a bit. He's right, isn't he? He really could use some more plants. Alright, we've cut to upstairs. So, we're gonna strap a big old stick knife on it and make them fight each other. I love it. This is gonna be great. I wanna build something that gets put on that TV show. Row Battle Royale with flamethrowers on it. Uh, you're not gonna put one on this little guy, are you? A flamethrower? Probably not. But I want you to record the fight on my phone so we can send it to the producers. Yeah, sure thing. Let's get this knife attached. <laughs> Pass me the zip ties. Zip ties! And the knife! Knife! And my coffee! Uh, are you sure? Who even gave you that? Coffee! Damn it. It's empty. My coffee's empty, Keyshan. The world is beginning to vibrate! Maybe it's good that your cup runneth empty, yeah? I think my cup needs to run it with more espresso in it! I just... How many shots did you put in there? Too many, Keyshan! But did anyone ask Icarus how many shots of espresso he had? Yeah, I'm reading a book about Icarus. He flew to the sun. I'm cultured. In unrelated news, I have a headache. <laughs> that was all in caps. Uh, I think you might want to read a little more about Icarus. There's a twist ending to that one. I'm holding a knife, Keyshawn. No spoilers. Ah, no spoilers, no spoilers, promise. And then uh, the other guy, Che, he's looking in on this conversation, he gasps. All right, Jay, just say hi. Try not to get a knife slung at you this time. You got this. Ahem! Hey, kids. Ah! Intruder! And she throws the knife and hits the door frame next to his head. Keishan, my buddy, my pal. Did I get him? N no, you missed. Damn it. But, wait. You threw it on purpose? Extremely on purpose, yes. I'm fine, by the way. Oh, it's just you. Would it have been worse if it was someone else? Probably. Unless they were an actual spy come to steal my robot designs. Then it would have been good. Hey, I... I think I'm crashing. Oh, no. Um, is she... Okay? D did I kill her? She'll wake up in about 15 minutes with no ill effects. But you probably shouldn't give her any more coffee. She turns into a real goblin. Oh, uh, she told me that it'd make her immeasurably powerful? I mean, she's not wrong, but you know, great power, great responsibility, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's 13, kids got plenty of energy already. Maybe not in the sense of responsibility though. Yeah, uh, I don't even know how I ended up here sitting and attaching knives to robots. She's very convincing. You don't have to tell me, mate. She basically lives here. Her parents would kill me if they found out she's nearly killed me. Pretty good blind throw, though. She makes me proud of the weirdest things. And he takes the knife out of the door and brings it into the room. Huh. Did she learn from the best? <laughs> she did, but the best definitely wasn't me. Maddie's pretty deadly with knives. Loves her flashy tricks. Bad habit, probably. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm being very rude. My name's Che. I used to own this place. Nah, I just sort of sit around and cause trouble and sometimes have knives thrown at me, I guess. I'm Keyshan, and I died today. That was a title card. I'm loving this so far. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening in terms of like being a video game, but 
This writing is good stuff. Um, okay, we see some robots and they have little bins uh, attached onto them. The robots are roughly crab-ish. Ah, I'm alive, I'm alive. Oof, we got a loud one here. Oh, be nice, you know it's scary waking up. So there's three robots. Two of them seem to be experienced at being a robot and one of them is new. Big lights coming towards me. So the new one has like an upside down milk carton on his head, like a, like a quarter gallon. And then the older ones have a beer bottle and a box. So box says, I think it's reliving its last moments. The beer bottle says, looks like it. Uh, what is happening? Hello. Uh, I do not remember having this many limbs. Join the club, pal. We are reborn in a new image. I see. I'm Kepler. Nice to meet you. So Kepler is the box one. And I'm Jacoby. Jacoby is the bottle one. I am undefined. Hmm, I don't know if that name will stick. Its body is made of a milk carton. Shall we just call it milk? No, too basic. Imagine if you called me goon just because I'm made of a goon box. I wouldn't like that at all. Asked she was yelling about someone called Loveless the other day. That's a good one, I think. How does our new friend feel about it? Acceptable? Excellent. So I presume that Ada Loveless is who this Loveless that they're referring to is. Ada Loveless, uh, uh, early or I think late 1800s? Uh, computer science programmer lady. She did, uh, she, she did logical thinking before logic was even logic, yo. And I'm not really making that up by much. Nice to meet you, Loveless. Okay, so we have three robots. Jacoby, the beer bottle. Um, Rick. I forgot who's the goon box already. And then Loveless the milk carton. Jacoby is a good name. Loveless, I guess the other one must not have a good name. Look at you turning into a responsible human being. All right, during mission intermission at the end of episodes, you can freely explore the terminal. Memories are scattered throughout the terminal that dwell into the tales of its patrons. D-W-E-L-V-E. -E. Is dwelve a word? Is Did they mean delve? I don't know. More locations and memories become available as you progress through the main story. Alright, so we're back in first person exploration mode. We are... We're sitting at... So, um, the tree trunk has a bookshelf with a counter built up around it with chairs and stuff. Like, a, as a big old circle. So we're in the cafe... Maddie is over there. If we look outside, there's like industrial pipes and giant tubes. It's like the cafe is like inside part of a water treatment plant, but also in the distance, it's like not completely enclosed. In the distance, we can see like a yellow sky, um, like maybe a hazy, a hazy part of a sunset or something. There's, oh, oh, that's, uh, there's a walkway outside the door. We can't go out the door. But there's a walkway outside the door that leads up to a ominous-looking gate. Perhaps that's the afterlife. 
The Fisherman won. Let's inspect this memory in a bottle. Maddie was about to leave the counter when an old-looking man pushed the door open. He was hunched over, and he walked with a bit of a limp, and even at this distance, she could see the leathery texture of his skin, a testament to many years well-lived. Maddie had been about to leave the counter to Che, but there was something in the way the man walked that made her want to stay long enough to see if he had any special requests. Uh, it was a good chance that she wouldn't have much to say to the man, or much that she would be interested in hearing from him, but it was obvious that the man had once paid his dues, and she felt that she owed him at least a few moments of her time. Did I accidentally skip one? Uh, no. Uh, even if he hadn't done anything in life worth of admiration, he at least had done enough to earn her respect. It was only when the man sat down that Maddie saw his skin was cracked, but not wrinkled. His body had been aged, but it had been aged by the elements in the sun more than it had been aged by the passage of time. The slight limp in his step could have easily been the limp of a young man who had spent one day too many lifting loads that were one kilo too heavy for him. He took the seat directly in front of her. You serve food here? Apparently the man was more interested in finding out what was on offer than figuring out where he was. Maddie kept herself from visibly smirking. There was something she liked about guests like that, people whose only question was what was on tap. Maddie glanced at Che. He gave a nod of assent. Yes, Che was willing to play the role of grill master today. We do serve food, she said. The man squinted up at the menu above him. My eyes don't work too well in this light, he said. Got a paper menu? Maddie reached under the counter and pulled out a menu that looked just as aged as the man sitting in front of her. Its scars are from coffee stains, not cuts, but as watched the man hold the menu... <clears throat> I think the word she is supposed to be in there? As watched the man hold the menu, there was something about the combination of the two of them that felt right to her. Um, question to Dan K. Is it acceptable in Australian stories to just cut certain nouns and pronouns out of a sentence? This feels like maybe it's an Australian thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame your country for it. Or maybe it's a maybe it's a 3066 thing, you know? The man stared at the menu for a good deal longer than it must have been taken than it must have taken him to read everything on it. He finally spoke after a long considered pause. Do you suppose it would be a problem if I were to order something, even if I didn't intend to actually eat it? It's not the kind of thing that would offend me, said Maddie. Actually it was exactly the kind of thing that would offend her. Yet there was something in the way the man asked that made her feel like whichever reason he might have for not eating food he was served, it would be a good one. And she was half interested to find out what the man's reaction would be. I'll have the grilled halibut, he said. Ah, halibut, said Maddie. She understood. Many people enjoy the concept of grilled fish more than they liked it in practice. If this man knew himself well enough to be upfront and honest about it, she could respect that. I can't promise that it's never been frozen. I hope that's not a problem, she said. Sure it wouldn't be. Sounds like my kind of fish, said the man. The best halibut swim in cold water. Ain't a problem if that water happens to be in solid form after the halibut passes. <clears throat> she nodded to Che, who nodded back and headed to the freezer. The man placed both of his hands on the counter and folded them. There was something serene in the way that the man sat there, with no inclination to glance around and inspect the cafe he was in, no nervous movement in his legs, no strained expression on his face to express that he was waiting for something to happen. He looked so calm that Maddie almost didn't want to disturb him, but she chafed at the idea that only squeaky wheels were deserving of grease. Some wheels were just too polite to ask. 
you want a drink while you're waiting on that? I don't think I need a drink, said the man. All right, said Maddie, picking up a whiskey bottle and placing it in his field of vision, a reminder that he was free to ask for, of what he was free to ask for. The man squinted. Is that <clears throat> Jack Daniels? Indeed it is, said Maddie. The man's shoulders rose a bit and what looked like barely a chuckle. Got a fondness for that particular drink? It's just we share the same name, said the man. I'm Jack Daniel. No relation to the distiller. I had several friends who took it upon themselves to check. As you might imagine, I've seen a lot of those bottles over the years. It's the kind of gift that people enjoy giving you if, when you have a name like that. Is it a gift that you enjoyed receiving? It's always a pleasure to receive a gift, says Jack. It's nice to know that you have friends who care about you and think about you. Is it a gift you enjoyed consuming? I had a shelf in my flat where I collected them, waiting for other people to come so I'd have an excuse to open them. Ah, said Maddie, picking up the bottle and placing it below the counter. Sorry if I brought up a bad memory. He laughed. Where's the bad memory? They're good to receive from friends, and it's good to share with friends. It's a reminder of the people who I was close to and the things I did with them. No need to apologize for that. Maddie smiled. She was beginning to find that she liked Jack, and it seemed like Jack was the kind of person who liked her, if for no other reason than that he liked people, and Maddie was people. She chuckled with him, and she enjoyed the chuckle so much that she almost missed Jack's momentary sideways glance. An unguarded moment when his mind seemed to be on something other than what he was talking about. It was only an instant, but it was a flicker of pain that she'd learned to recognize over the years. There was something in him that was hurting, even as he remembered his friends. A sense of loss? A regret about something left unsaid? Maddie wasn't sure. Whatever it was, it was none of her business. But she wanted it to be her business. Well, anything you want, just ask, said Maddie. Cup of water, warm glass of milk. Warm glass of milk? How old do you think I am? Maddie shrugged. Five or six, just the right age to drink a tall glass of milk before being shooed off to bed at eight o'clock in the evening. I'm just barely older, said Jack. But if I do want that glass of milk, I guess I'll know who to ask. Um, we, we don't got no more dialogue. All right. That was the Fisherman 1. Presumably we're going to get the Fisherman 2 eventually. We can have a look around in other places. I don't see any other memories, but let's just have a... Oh, oh, oh! There's an Ashley's journal. Um, We got... Oh, whoa, what's this? Crucible product reviews. Let's just check if the stairs are these oh my gosh these are real oh we can't actually go we can go to the top of the stairs and then a little chain blocks us from going around the upper level all right let me take another drink i'm really liking this game although the constant reading does take it out of me to uh Row Battle Royale Power Rankings! Windlass! When I first saw the name of this bot, I thought it was styled to be like a girl who could run around and control storms, like a real ninja, a real lass of the wind, or maybe a girl of the elements, someone with the ability to become the wind itself. If I were a windlass, I could vanish in an instant whenever Maddie appeared. She would look around and say, where's Ashley? And I'd be right there, but she wouldn't notice it because I would be one with the wind. Then when she left, I would fade into the room like a ninja. 
This would only work outside and in the rooms that are really breezy, so I'd probably set up fans in the workshop to make it really drafty. Then, I looked it up online and learned that Windlass is actually a fancy name for a winch used to pull anchors up, which at first made me think that this bot was lame. It works by hooking up its arms under enemy robots and pulling it up to flip them over. It never even tries to smash the other bots to bits or melt it with fire, but then I watch it in action and realize that flipping your enemy on their back to incapacitate them is the ultimate ninja move. Windlass moves like a master, spending the entire match trying to bait its opponents into exposing its weakness, and then like a ninja master that knows how to jab at exactly the right pressure point in the back of the neck to make their enemy's head explode, Windlass grabs the enemy bot by the one part of it that happens to be sticking out at the wrong time and flips it onto its back. Note, most bots only have wheels or legs on the bottom, not on the top, so when you flip them over, they are totally helpless and the match is over. To avoid this happening, make sure to put wheels on the top as well. When I make a bot like Windlass, I'm gonna call it BADASS because that's what it is. Uh, that's the end of Ashley's story, but uh, that was... that was genius. I love that. Oh my gosh, that was good. Alright. Okay, so if I if I put the indicator over Maddie, it offers to continue the story. But no, we want to learn about these Crucible product reviews. <clears throat> Spirit resistant quartz crucibles with self-sealing lids. Product description. Heat resistant up to 1650 degrees Celsius. Self-sealing lids from airtight seals around the crucible's ground rim. Highly resistant to corruption and spiritual interference. Clear inner and outer coverings allow for easy spotting of cracks or imperfections. Quality is sustainable for mixing potions and filleries. Average rating, 3.5 stars out of 5. Product reviews, 5 out of 5. I love this. This covering, despite being quartz, has a textured appearance that gives it a silky smooth feel. Most crucibles feel sterile and cold, but this one makes for a perfect beverage container when entertaining guests. 4 out of 5. The previous crucible set I used was inherited from my grandmother, who bought them over from New England. Unfortunately, two months at sea were not kind to her spirit wear, and her crucibles were filled with tiny cracks and microfractures that allowed unsightly looking spots to build up, leaving them stained with hard gray lines everywhere, looking like they were about to crack apart at any moment. She used them for several decades to come, but every time I worked with her and watched them heat up, I was afraid they were constantly on the verge of shattering. One she used to contain a lost wayward spirit for several days before finding a home for it, and I would get up at night to check the embers under the crucible and set it all and it always unsettled me seeing how fragile the container was several times i found myself tempted to tip the crucible over just to see how easily it would shatter under my soft touch needless to say this new set is much nicer they are sterile and i can keep several of them in my bedroom without feeling unsettled by their presence two of the crucibles in my set arrived with small chips in them but i contacted the manufacturer and they replaced them at no charge the replacements were express chipped and the process was quick and painless so great customer service and they offer replacements up to one year for the price they can't be beat four to five owned mine for two weeks and it didn't crack decent for the price five out of five Received mine in the mail this morning and I can't wait to try it out. So glad to have finally found selling crucibles at a reasonable price. Or a brand name one costs over $200, which is just outrageous. One out of five. Bought this weeks ago since it was the cheapest crucible on the site, advertised as spirit resistant. I'm working on a filtering for my graduate thesis and purchased a hundred of these for lab use. My plan was to monitor a hundred different animal spirits over with different types of plant matter and compare how different biomaterials affected their vigor over a 90 day period. The first day, I set the first five with samples of mugroot, feverfuge, ginger, ginseng, and golden seal. I placed them in the crucibles over low heat, 80 celsius, and left them overnight. And over the next two days, did the same with all the remaining crucibles finishing on a Friday and leaving the work lab alone for the weekend. 
When I arrived back on Monday, I knew something was wrong when I noticed the rain cloud hovering over the door. It's not uncommon for rain clouds to appear at any time of year, at any time of day in our part of the country. But it's quite another to find a rain cloud localized entirely from the hallway of your research lab. I braced for the worst, but I guess I should have braced harder. Nothing could have prepared me for the smell when I opened the door. I immediately felt my eyes watering and actually found myself choking. It smelled so bad. I slammed the door shut and went to the basement to grab one of the emergency respirators we keep down there. Unfortunately, the respirator did little to mask the terrible stench inside the lab. I opened the first crucible and saw that it was filled with a tar-like substance, and as I studied its inky black writhing form, I felt the air sucked out of me, almost like it was trying to drag me into the abyss with it. I threw it on the floor, and the container shattered, splattering the floor with the tar-like substance, which began slowly crawling across the room. I grabbed a fire extinguisher from the wall and sprayed the tar until it was completely covered and heard what sounded like a sputtering noise, followed by a long gasp and a scream that faded into oblivion. After poking at the fire extinguisher, which, which a fire extinguisher spray, whichever was Whichever was underneath was clearly, oh, whatever was underneath was clearly quenched. I took the remaining crucibles and placed them in the oven and baked them at a temperature of 1600 degrees for several hours as I sat alone in the lab, contemplating cruelty of existence and wondering what my academic advisor would have to say about my thesis project. After several hours of waiting, I opened the oven and checked the contents of the crucibles, revealing nothing but ash. Whatever was in that had been drawn by the spiritual emissions of my lab work and it was gone from my world, but the memory of that day will haunt me for the remaining days of my life. We got more. <clears throat> one out of five. Do not buy this crucible for spirit-related applications. My wife is one of the project designers who worked on this item. The crucibles in this listing come from a manufacturer called Mars Security LLC. Back in 2013, they were some of the best hardware you could get for your money and earned a reputation among hobbyists as great value for anyone working on a budget. In 2016, they did a survey and found that fewer than 3% of buyers were actually using the crucible for spirit-related applications and decided that they could cut costs by removing the spirit-resistant properties. However, they found that products advertised with updated ad copy to reflect that this didn't sell as well, so they continued using the old product description, which advertises it as spirit-resistant, with the new product line, which is not spirit-resistant. I don't, know how, I don't know how they're getting away with this. Apparently, the definitions of what is actually spirit-resistant are legally murky, and the number of people affected is small enough that they continue to sell well. Stay far, far away from this one, and warn anyone you know of who might buy an item like this that it does not work as advertised. Five out of five. Nice color. And uh, that's the end of our product reviews. All right. <clears throat> Um, I'm actually going to take a, uh, I'm going to play this game more, definitely, but I'm going to take a quick break, so I'm going to stop the recording, and then, um, you know, let's, let's go to the bookmarks, save, yeah, bookmarks, uh, how do I save, oh, yes, oh, I guess we're already at the thing. I don't know. Uh, so episodes, act one and act two. Episodes, uh, act one is in uh, prologue, welcome to the terminal, visitation, rise and shine, end of the line, walking to the sky. And then act two is rainy moods, ritual, ghost, our usual haunts, double shot, long black, devil's den. Um, the last one in each list has like a dotted line before it and it's not numbered. So it's zero to four is act one and five to nine is act two. Um, yeah, um, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back soon.
see you then. Don't don't be in the cafe for more than 24 hours then. Hey everyone. <clears throat> I hope they're ready to join me for Necrobarista part two. I don't know how much I mean it's only 11. I was told that the game is like four hours long. Um, at the rate I'm able to read it out loud, I think it's going to take more than four hours. Um, I don't know, I'll just keep doing a few of these until some point in the afternoon when I decide I've done enough and then put them all out. That's my plan. <clears throat> so, uh, Maddie wants us to pick yes or no and continue, and we pick yes, of course. Uh, her glasses are, um, hexagon-shaped? with points on top instead of flats on top. Um, and also they got very striking red rims. Most of the uh, cafe is like sort of cool colors. I wouldn't say muted, but cool colors and bright red glasses rims really stand out along with her bright red shoes. So you see her, uh, Maddie that is, sitting at the, mm, sitting at the bookshelf table thing around the glowy tree. Man, I'd love to see that. I could use a pick-me-up. I can't promise it'll be there. It's kind of inconsistent. These are people talking as she doesn't look at them. Still, though, a hallway that's only there sometimes? How do you get to the kitchen otherwise? There's another slightly longer one that we use instead. It's much less exciting, but on the upside, it's consistently there. I love telling new people about it, though. The reaction's always hilarious. I definitely didn't expect to get enthusiastic today over a weird quantum hallway. Or enthusiastic at all, actually, because as soon as I stop to think about it, I realize I'm actually extremely messed up about this. Maddie turns the page in her book. Oh, it's not a standard book. It's got runes and crap in it, like an alchemy book or something. Or a necromancy book. Uh, and then we continue to overhear the conversation. The camera's focused on her, but we're hearing this from off screen. I understand. Your life has gotten very weird very fast, conceptually speaking. Or, uh, your unlife? I should be better at talking about this by now, shouldn't I? Ugh. Jeez, that's not a fun one to talk about, huh? Just keep talking about the hallways so I can keep my mind off this. To be honest, I'm not sure I can even properly explain a lot of what goes on here. The building's mildly sentient. Too much magic in the soil for it to not be, really. So the cafe's alive? Not necessarily. Plenty of things have come to life here, but as far as we can tell, the building itself doesn't really fall into that category. Also, it mostly tends to shift itself in ways that are helpful instead of frustrating, so... Quantum hallways. I'm making myself a cuppa. You want something? Nah, I'm good for now. Also, what's the barista's name? I didn't actually catch it when I feel like a jerk. So this is Che, who's making the cuppa, of course. And then we have our new guy, um, he's the other one in this conversation about the quantum hallway. Ah, Maddie, she's the owner now, not just the barista. Still makes coffee, of course, but since she's the owner now, she's a lot more to juggle. Why are you asking? Got your eye on her, eh? No, I have a boyfriend. Had? Oh, geez, this is a lot. Can't imagine how he's feeling. Try not to think about it. I... Okay. Yep. Okay. You want that drink now? I think I want something a little more potent than coffee right now. Sorry. Don't enable him, Kishan. Shush. That was Maddie. Shush. I can get you something stronger, mate. 
Shot of whiskey, perhaps? I, I thought this was a cafe. Well, it is. Mostly. We could... We do serve alcohol, though. And stronger things on request. Stronger? Like what? Baiju? Absinthe? Pure ethanol? You think a place like this wouldn't have anything stronger than that? Stronger than pure ethanol? Sure. And this is Maddie now. Sure, remind me later and I might pull out some of my special reserve. Oh wait, that was Keyshawn. This is Maddie. Don't enable him, Keyshawn. Sorry, Che. Che is offering the super booze, all right? Not good with names today. Hey, someone's got to drink it. I know you're not going to touch the stuff aside from setting it on fire. Excuse me? I have perfectly good reasons for wanting to set a puddle of distilled soul on fire. Uh, we'll agree to disagree on that one. So, Keyshawn, what'll it be? <laughs> Actually, I changed my mind on the coffee. Can I order something complex? I've got to treat myself to my last day on Earth. I'm after a sugar rush. If we have the ingredients, it shouldn't be an issue. Maddie can whip it up for you. Cool, cool. In that case, and he turns to where Maddie was, but she's gone. Can I have a large quadruple shot, double vanilla caramel, no foam, super hot, reverse coconut milk macchiato? Huh? Oh my God, says Maddie. She's, I think she, oh wait. Yeah, she's behind the counter, I think. No, cause the tree's on her, yeah. She's just like holding her hand to her face. You know, you know the look. But with two sugars and a whipped cream on top. Maddie? Yes, dearest? Can, can you, uh, I don't quite know how. Is this real? Hmm? Maddie and, uh, Che seem to be in on some sort of joke. Oh, uh, is it too much? I was gonna ask for that shot of whiskey Che mentioned earlier, but it seemed a little extra. Well, yes, is it too much? I don't think even Starbucks would serve that. Why? Because it's a fucked up order, man. Oh, dang. Every single word of that increased my urge to set the espresso machine on fire so I wouldn't have to think about making coffee ever again. And then we can inspect the keyword urge. Maddie has all the classic symptoms of being a pyromaniac, but she's definitely not a pyromaniac, according to the description. Oh, but the whiskey's fine. I do that too. I have a counter offer, which you have to accept. Uh, yeah? I'll make you another double shot long black and I'll put whiskey in it, but I won't call you a hipster this time. If you decline my offer, on God, I will strip your soul from your body and use it to scrub the counters at closing time. They will smell delicious afterwards, if that's any consolation. Uh, yikes. That does sound like a competitive counter offer, not the soul thing. I'll take the coffee. My generosity knows no bounds! Normie. Alright, cut to later. All four characters, um, Maddie, Ashley, Che, and Keyshawn are at the counter now. So, to conclude, that order sucked because it defies the laws of physics, has a heart attack worth of sugar in it, and is something only wankers ask for. Is it possible to die twice? Yep, says Ashley. You can die twice if you're brought back from the dead. Or if you manage to really annoy someone between here and the next place, which is more likely because resurrection is illegal. But if you're asking whether you can get a heart attack or whatever, the answer is no. Life and death have a slightly different meaning here. Can't die from natural causes. It's a bit complex and weird, and we're still in the process of figuring out how it all works. I'm over 200 years old and still haven't made proper sense of it yet. Just got some vague ideas. Right. So what's keeping me from just 
staying here. Like, I'm already dead. Why do I have to go to the next place? You got a certain number of hours you're allowed to remain on the edge of the mortal realm. Hours are fungible. Fungible? They can be bought and sold and exchanged, generally speaking. But the Council of Death always collects on debts owed to them, and you'll start running up a debt if you stay here too long. Your soul starts to get itchy too. It's not something you want to experience. We've had a few stay past their lot of time, and they've gotten very uncomfortable very fast. It starts with general irritability, and then worse things begin to happen. Uh-huh. Actually, it's it's more like nighttime now. Like, the, the, the hazy sunset fog out the window has turned even darker. Now it's a deep purple. It's a weird thing to wrap your head around. How long do I have before I need to make myself scarce? You get 24 hours. Any longer, and you start to rack up the tab since you're on our premises. And as charming as you are, we've already racked up too much time debt from letting people stick around past their expiry date. We're deep enough in the hole as it is, hours-wise. And cash-wise, we're extremely poor! You've been a bit too lenient in the past. Letting people stay just a little longer instead of gently shooing them onto the next plane of existence, etc. You know the drill. But hey, since ours are fungible, you can always acquire them in some other way. Here she closes her necromancy book. There's something happening tonight, actually, that you might be interested in. Seriously? You're still doing that? Shush! You know the council just look on that stuff favorably. Ned said so himself. It draws customers and it helps us shave down the debt. I'll take whatever I can get. And hey, fuck Ned. You have a 13-year-old right here, you know. Uh, yawns Ashley. She's heard coarse enough language for a lifetime. I'm not too worried about her. She's right, though. What? Every time Ned comes around, she makes you guys really stressed out. Maybe not you so much, but Natty gets nervous and it brings down the mood. Man. So, fuck Ned. Goodness, I think you've had too much coffee today. And then Ashley falls back asleep. <clears throat> oh wait, no. She just collapses on the counter. I'm crashing so hard right now, you have no idea. It's like I was crashing earlier, but that was just a pre-crash, and I'm having a tr double crash or something. <sighs> All I can ask is that you try and keep the swearing to a minimum when customers are around. Okay. Does occasion count? It's fine. A couple of my housemates are tradies, so you'll learn to ignore it pretty quick. Dan K, what's a tradie? Are tradies... We're tradies? Ugh. They're still tradies unless they changed career the last couple days. But they're not my roommates anymore because... Hey mates, have I mentioned how much being dead sucks? Because it sucks, and I feel extremely bad about it. <clears throat> Having a pretty bad time right now in general, to be honest. Yep. Even just adapting your language is a pain, isn't it? Want a proper drink now? Without coffee in it? Yeah. <clears throat> That'd be good. The TV didn't say anything about there being a storm tonight. Yeah, the clouds are kind of brewing outside now that you mention it. Huh. Looks like a decent-sized one's rolling in. Melbourne weather strikes again. Izzy! That was to friend of the podcast, Z. Uh, I'll go upstairs and close the windows. Cheers. Come on, Ashley. Let's clean up your workbench while you're up there, yeah? Uh, do you need a bribe? Yes? I have some chocolate hidden away. Acceptable. Light rain has begun. Wait, 
Dead people can still get drunk, yeah? Why else do you think we serve alcohol? To make money? Well, yeah. Hang on. Do I even have my wallet? Doubt it. I don't, yeah. How does that work? Why do I have my clothes, but not the contents of my pockets? I don't know, dude. Everyone's experience is different. Death doesn't follow many rules. Only universal rule I can think of is that you can't stay. People don't generally come in without their clothes, fortunately. Mmm. <clears throat> so, about this drink. I guess you're gonna give me straight vodka or something? Why is that? You don't like making complex drinks. Haha, <laughs> dude, no. I don't like making ridiculous cafe-laced milkshakes for overcomplicated soccer dads. I'm happy to mix a cocktail, within reason. Oh, okay. What have you got, then? Shay's got everything you can think of. And then some. I could go for a mint julep. Hey, what's that outside? Oh, we see another person approaching the cafe. Outside? Some guy on the rain. Ah, shit. Maddie? Maddie, what's up? Let's get started on that drink. We see the person approaching. I think this was, this guy was in the opening scene. He's very wide. Oh, and he doesn't have a standard head. He's got like a... Uh... Like his head looks like a cartoon... Like if there was a bunch of cartoon chess pieces. And you took the, like, the head of a bishop or something and just put it on what was otherwise a human. That's kind of what this guy looks like. He's also got a scarf. Morning. Um, hi. Hello, recently departed. Hey, that hat you're wearing kind of makes you look like Ned Kelly. I, oh, maybe it is a hat. I could have sworn you were standing outside literally just a second ago. So had this one, Carcat. Good morning to you too, Ned. It's seven o'clock in the morning, Madeline. Piss off, Nedward. It's not even my full name. Isn't it, Maddie? Chase says it was, and he never lies. He never said that. Well, no. But it was worth a try. A try at what? Catching me off balance? Some shit along those lines? Mate, I am so off balance right now that a light breeze would knock me head over arse. Don't push me. Hey, this mint julep is great. Just wanted to contribute that to the conversation. So you catch the game last night? No. I do not care to discuss the egg sports with you or anyone else. Don't try it. Ugh. It's making polite conversation. You should try it sometime. Maybe. Not for you, though. You've never come during daylight hours before. What do you want? Nothing much. I'd like to talk to Che at some point, but it can wait, seeing as he's missing. Planning on sending out a search party? Might do. It'd be a shame to lose an old friend by letting him wander into some train tracks or something. Yeah, well, shut up. He's upstairs, last I saw. Was that the last you saw, Maddie? Tell me. Why are you like this? What was it? Last saw him walking upstairs. So he could be anywhere, then. Probably fled the country to dodge the massive time debt you lot are racking up. He can't go far. Got a pretty tight leash. And regards to the debt. Ha <laughs> ha It's not your problem. Uh, you must not have heard. Not your problem. And here she sighs visually without the word sigh on the screen. Shay! Your dickhead friend Ned is here! Wait. I'm a distinguished gent. 
not a dickhead. I'll be down in a sec! Yeah, sure, but you also work for the Council of Death, so even you are a distinguished even if you are a distinguished gent, it cancels out. Is the Council of Death like a normal city council, except whenever wherever dead people live? Yeah, but the only trash that needs to be collected is right in front of me. This guy? Me? No. You. You're the trash, Ned. The trash is you. It's you, Ned the Trash Man from Hell. Because councils pick up trash. That's the joke. Oh, oh cool. He's even got a head shaped like a rubbish bin. Oh, okay, that's what we're supposed to interpret. But it has, it's like a, like a trash bin, but he's got like a glowy mono eye, like a, like a Cylon or whatever. Mm. <clears throat> I'm not from hell. I don't care. And to be clear, Ned, in case you weren't, we weren't already, you are the trash. Yeah, I get it. You know how long Che's gonna be? Don't know. He was busy upstairs with Ashley. Hey, yeah, I had to hide like five steak knives from her. I didn't even know we had five steak knives. Get quiet there, mate. How long have you been sitting there? Does it matter? Well, your employee's being very rude to me. So if you'd heard any of that, I keep trying to tell him. Ah, my employee, yes. We have some catching up to do. I don't follow. Did she quit? Did you fire her for gross agobinus? <laughs> Far from it. There's been a bit of shakeup in the cafe's management structure since your last visit. Oh no, don't tell me you gave her the whole thing. Okay, I won't tell you. I tried to tell you before, man. Hey, does anyone else like mint juleps? This is great, and I'm nearly done, but also my tongue is numb, and I'm wondering what the deal is with that. Was there something else you wanted to discuss? I need a drink before we go through all that. Sure, the usual. Yes, please. Alright. It looks like it's uh, some sunrise outside now. Hey, how come he gets a curly straw? So, Che. Oh, so, Che. Spin me a tale of how and why you handed down the cafe to this person. Well, every man's got his price. Can my price be a curly straw, too? Buddy, I'll give you two if it means you'll stop complaining about numb lips. Y yeah what did you make this with? I couldn't find half the ingredients, so when I put in a bunch of baiju and, um, chili seeds? I got some of the stuff, though. It's So it's a mint julep in spirit, if nothing else. Does this have any mint or julep in it at all? Definitely maybe lacking in mint, and I cannot confirm nor deny the existence of the mythical julep. You asked for baiju earlier, though, so there you go. Mission complete. Natty, I'm getting very drunk very fast. Baiju will do that to you. Here, I think you should have a little lie down. I'll get you some water. I'm strong as an ox. I don't need no lie down. Kishin, my dude, you absolutely need to get horizontal as soon as possible. You can sober up in one of the booths at the back. It's nice and quiet over there. <laughs> I'll fight you. I'll win, though. Up you get, mate. Bloody hell. It would have been helpful if you told me about this before. Probably, but I'm not worried about it. Maddie knew what she was getting into with this whole cafe situation, and it's naturally that it might take a while for her to get the hang of running a business. Bloody hell. Bit of a dog's dinner, though, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Mm, but it'll get better. Like I said, not worried about it. Well, you might want to hold your judgment on that for the moment. I am unfortunately here on official business. Oh. I shouldn't have given you the straw, then. No, you shouldn't have. 
I look quite silly. Want me to get rid of it? It's just Maddie. She won't use it to derail our conversation or make me look like a fool or anything like that. Straw? No, I'll get you one after you have a nap. You can sip in the water like a normal person. <clears throat> I'll put it with the dirty dishes then. And they take the curly straw out of the drink. The sacrifices I make for this job. Hey, you met me through it. So, couldn't have been all bad. It was bloody a hundred years ago. Man, really? Longer. Time flies when you're immortal, huh? Quasi-immortal. This old rust bucket still got an expiry date somewhere down the line. What's this about immortality? Hey, you should buy more plants. Shut up. Sorry, continue. Immortality? Nothing that I'd trust you with, that's for sure. Ah, uh, don't you want to see crotchety old me being rude to youngsters in a hundred years? Truly, I do not. The far future doesn't need amateur necromancers. Your loss. So, you two heading upstairs? Actually, Ned does in fact have something fairly important to discuss with you. Oh, oh? It's about the debt you owe. To the council? Yeah, I know. What about it? He stands up. Maddie, it's time. You owe us 600 hours. Jay signed a contract. The hours or the cafe. You own the cafe, so you own the debt. And tonight, I've come to collect. Alright, now we have a AMV looking thing. She's waking up, putting on her glasses. Going out to work. Making expressos. Opening up the necromancy book. The clock ticks. She's pouring stuff. Alchemy circle on the ground. She's pouring some sort of concoction on the circle. She touches the circle in a full metal alchemist way. We're seeing a bunch of other characters, you know, like quick shots of characters all doing styly poses as though this were an anime opening because, let's be real, it is. Um, we see Maddie walking and then with each step it transitions like where she's walking through different hallways. We see a bunch of characters inside of a clock tower. We're like, we're looking out into the sky outside and the clocks are spinning. And they're standing on a bunch of rubble to make it look dramatic. It's all very good. That was well done. It uh, was weirdly low resolution. I guess the game runs at 720p, like no matter what, because it was designed for, you know, Xbox or something. Probably that, probably that scene was pre-rendered. Yeah, we're back with the crab robots, and they look better than that scene looked. So I'm guessing that that scene was pre-rendered. Um, I'm not sure why you would pre-render that scene exactly, but okay. That was kind of intense. Do they do that often? Uh, this is Loveless. The song and dance thing? Yeah, what do they think they are? Some sort of anime street gang? What sort of self-obsessed jerks has their own theme song? Don't be a downer, pal. No, I was talking about the dramatic encounter. Oh, between Maddie and Ned? Ned? Yes. 
Yeah, they've got chemistry. Not the romantic kind, the explosive kind. Can't leave in the same room together or they'd kill each other. Bad history. Maddie's just a seriously troublesome person from Ned's perspective. Doesn't help that she can't stop herself from pulling pranks on him. No, I suppose not. I mean, he doesn't make it easy either. I don't think he's used to having his authority questioned. She really gets under his skin. Wasn't he a famous criminal? And therein lies the irony of the situation. What a strange world we live in. Alright, that's it for the peanut gallery this time. Oh no, I've got a bunch of messages on Discord. Someone wants to talk to me. This shouldn't be a depressing memory for any of us. Doodle mode is now active. You cannot speak to Ashley to access doodle mode. Hmm. The camera started, zoomed in on a little plant on a counter. <clears throat> oh, we're upstairs. We're upstairs. We're at the counter upstairs. Let's have a look around. There's Billiards 1. I'm not sure how much of this main story I can... Pre advisory role? I'm not sure how much longer I can play this uh, main story if I keep reading every single side story. Huh. Well... There's like rafters and there's like even higher levels. It looks like it looks like the roof is incomplete, but it kind of doesn't. Oh wait, no me. Yeah, I can see the sky straight through the roof. So when it rains, I don't know how the rain doesn't get in here, but uh, magically, according to death or whatever, it does not. Huh. Well. <clears throat> Caution, cleaning in progress. Oh, we can't, we literally can't go downstairs. Well, I don't see Maddie to talk to. There's a dart board, but we can't play darts, unfortunately. I eventually got the achievement for that in Final Fantasy VII. Not during the main play, because it took a while. Oh, oh, what's this? Delicate operation. Alright, um, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna take a quick break. This is a nice pausing moment, and it's been about half an hour, so, uh, catch y'all next, I mean, it doesn't matter how many episodes I put out, right? I mean, you'll, you'll naturally listen to every single thing that I ever put out on the podcast, and you would never question my methods, so, see you soon. We have a we have three achievements so far out of eleven. It says the first one is prologue. Welcome to and then the the title is prologue and the description is welcome to the terminal. Another one of them says welcome to the terminal as the as the title and then the description says gambling for time is a dangerous business. We also have visitation with the description. Is it possible to die twice? Um. I don't know if my 
controller is acting up. I think the mouse is acting up. I totally unhooked the controller and the uh, character still moved around a little bit. All right, well, it's not too bad. Mostly we don't even need, these 3D controls are, I guess this is a choice menu. It'd be the same game, you know? Um, um, oh, hold on, the dog wants it now. Get her to come in before I started the recording, but now she wants it. Billiards one. Oh wait, we gotta hold? Yeah, hold on. Brad took a sip from his beer. It was not alcoholic, but there was something about the dry aftertaste that kept him frosty. He leaned over the table and lined up his next shot. He had the problematic nine ball in the upper right corner. He had a low percentage shot on it if he elected to bank it in, but he had two other stripes in the lower left to set it up. If he had an audience, he'd go for the bank shot for sure. He liked the chance to shine, but today there was no one to impress. No audience for flashy low percentage shots. He took the shot on the 11 and 12 and three shots later sunk the nine. An easy shot on the eight sealed the deal. Brad scanned the table. Four solid balls remained. A dismal, dismal performance on his part. Or a stellar performance on the part of the Stripes player. This is the problem with playing against yourself. You always won, but you always lost too. Brad chugged the remainder of his beer and added it to his collection of empties, which now stood five bottles strong. He took a moment to survey the room. His table was the only one of the four that his table was only one of the four that was in use. It didn't come as any surprise to him. It was early in the evening, and he had grown accustomed to spending time alone in his room. He knew that he could alone in this room. He knew that he could come here to be alone, and when the other sharks showed up... Mm, Brad grabbed the triangle. It was looped around his collection of beer bottles to set the balls in order for another round. Someone came up the stairs, and Brad looked up briefly, long enough to see a woman who he recognized as the dour-faced barkeep who had served him the beers that had kept him company for the past hour or two. Several steps behind the woman, he saw an older-looking man. The man stopped in front of the table opposite Brad and began chalking up his cue. Brad directed his attention to the man. He usually offered people a game when they came up, but the man seemed prepared to keep it to himself, so Brad said nothing and tried to focus on his own table. He set up to break, and the older man coughed as he shot. He hit the cue ball just a fraction of a degree off. It bounced off the rack into one of the side pockets as the rest of the balls jostled around the table. Stink. Brad didn't swear when playing. Pool. Oh, they keep putting one word at the end of the sentence right at the page break on this thing. It's, it could have been designed better. His earliest experiences with competitive billiards had been in an environment that forbade obscenities and issued foul penalties every time he let it on involuntary shit or fuck. He had to find cleaner substitutes. Break came the sound from an old man's table. Two, three, four. Brad put down his break cue and picked up the leather-tipped cue that was leaning against the table. Five, six. Brad chalked his cue, trying to avoid the tilt from his bad break. Seven, eight. He lined up to shoot and realized that the man was already finished fishing his balls out of the pockets and collecting them in the triangle. Brad did a double take. Had the man sunk the eight ball after eight strokes, including the rake? Brad continued playing his own table, but kept an eye on the older man this time. 
happened again. Break. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A perfect clean sweep. As the older man began clearing the table, Brad walked over. Excuse me, he said, but I couldn't help but notice you just hit two perfect games. What was that? The man turned to Brad, squinting at him. Brad repeated himself a bit louder this time. I was just complimenting you on your two perfect games. Impressive stuff? The man heaved his shoulders. Sometimes you get a bit of luck on your side. Still, uh, you don't see novices hitting two consecutive perfect games. The man offered another ineffectual shrug. Do you uh, want to play a game? Brad gestured to his own table, which was already set up. Most of the people who come around here tend to be novices. I've been itching for a bit of competition. Brad paused, but the man said nothing. Uh, of course, if you'd prefer to play on your own table, I don't mean to intrude. We can play, said the man. Though if I can shoot perfect a third time, you won't get to. I'd be impressed if you could pull that off, said Brad. The older man racked the balls and stepped away from the table to let Brad break. Brad leaned over the table and took several practice shots, several practice strokes before finally connecting with the cue ball. The break was weaker than he had expected, but he managed to sink one ball. He looked at the table annoyed and realized that he hadn't bothered to check if the rack was frozen before he broke. His next shot was straight into the middle pocket. He briefly visualized the trajectory of the cue ball in his mind. It would easily knock the six ball in, then bounce towards the front of the table. Brad wasn't confident of where exactly the ball would stop, but he was confident he'd be able to do something with it. He took the shot, and the six ball went in. Solids. After the cue ball settled, found himself with no good options. Brad smiled. Making something out of nothing was his specialty, and after a few moments of eyeing different angles, he settled on a shot towards one of the bottom pockets. A striped ball was in the way, so Brad hit the cue ball several degrees to the side, curving his trajectory around the enemy ball. He hit the solid, ball, the solid three ball, and the shot was made. Brad looked at the man, hoping for some kind of reaction. The man's mouth remained a flat line, but his eyebrows arched. If anything, the man's lack of obvious expression struck him as a deliberate attempt to not show a response. That he had managed to get a slight rise out of the old man felt like a sweet victory. Brad made his next shot quickly, an easy straight-in shot on the two ball, made without thinking about where the cue ball would land. That was a problem for future Brad, but several seconds later, present Brad found himself scolding past Brad for putting him in such a foul position. He was corner-hooked. With the cue ball trapped next to the corner pocket, the only angle available to Brad existed in a 60-degree arc. He surveyed his limited options and breathed a sigh of relief as a relatively straightforward bank shot presented itself. It was an awkward angle, but he knew he could coax the three ball into the opposite corner pocket. He took the shot, watching as the three ball rolled compliantly into its designated pocket. Unfortunately, the cue ball went along with it, ending Brad's turn and placing the ball in the man's possession. Ah, stink. Brad could have sworn the man winked at him as he fished the cue ball out and lined up a simple shot on a side pocket. The 9 went in. Then the 11, and the 12. Brad found himself taking it for granted that each striped ball would enter its designated pocket, and instead focused on the cue ball. Somehow the cue ball always wound up in a position that presented the oldster with the ideal chip shot. Ball after ball fell off the bed until finally only the black 8 ball and Brad solids remained. Fortunately for Brad, the 8-ball and the cue ball were at opposite sides of the table, with several of Brad's in between. The man eventually gave up and settled for a defensive shot that put the cue ball behind the 8. Now the tables were turned. Brad was the one cut off from his balls. 
he lived for shots like this. He took the shot. The cue ball hit the eight, and the eight hit the one, and the one hit the seven, bouncing it against the front of the table and into one of the side pockets. Brad couldn't help but smile. Things could have gone better. Things couldn't have gone better, even if he'd planned them. Instinct and muscle memory did what his calculating mind couldn't. Now the table is conveniently free of strike balls. Brad had no trouble sinking the remaining consecutive shots he needed to close out the game. As Brad lined up the final shot in the eight ball, he studied the older guy. If the man was reacting, he couldn't tell. Brad closed his eyes as he completed the final stroke, as he always did. He wasn't really religious. He'd stopped going to church with his mum when he was 12, but he always felt right to leave the result of the game to God. Damn, said the old man as the eight ball fell into its pocket. Brad flinched. He'd been hoping for some praise from the man for winning the game. Perhaps a damn was all that the man was prepared to offer. Excuse me, said Brad, but I don't think we bother to exchange names. I'm Brad. Thomas. The old man extended a hand. I've got to say, you're quite a player, said Brad. I take it you're not from around here? No, said the man. I grew up in Brisbane, retired to Sydney. I'm just passing through. Brad nodded. I figured I actually grew up in this neighborhood. Played on tables just like these when I was a kid, so I know most of the folks in the local competitive circuit. I guess someone like you would have to play competitively, huh? You don't pick up skills like that in a tiny pond. You'd be surprised, said Thomas. A man can accomplish quite a bit, given enough idle time. But you have played competitively, said Brad. I used to, yes, said Thomas. I actually formally retired many years ago, but kept the table at home for practice to keep my mind sharp. Where did you compete? Oh, I toured in England. Wait. You were a pro? A pro makes a salary. I won enough to cover my travel expenses and to make up for the time I spent not working a real job. Brad couldn't hide his excitement. Wait, you said England. Did, did you ever play in the World Billiards Championship? Yep, said the old man. I played the WBC for a few years, but eventually I decided the title was a summit I'd never reach, so I quit. Wait, you just said your name was Thomas. Are you Thomas Walsh? Indeed I am, said Thomas. You're a legend! I think you might be overstating it, said Thomas. Said Thomas. Even when I was in my prime, I wasn't the best. Results speak for themselves. Nah, fuck that. You were a finalist for six years running. Nobody's ever been that consistent. Even the best pros who managed to run hot burn out after more than two or three years. Thomas sipped his beer. I spent hundreds of hours watching your videos, said Brad. I didn't realize there were videos of me, said Thomas. I have tapes of the finals from 1967 and from 68, said Brad. They didn't record them before that, but, but your last two years got recorded for posterity. They're kind of rarities at this point, but I, I had a coach who had a vault of old footage. Coach? Thomas arched an eyebrow. Yeah. You didn't have a coach? Thomas shook his head. We mostly just taught ourselves and each other. Sometimes you gotta practice with people better than you, but that was it. Well, I mostly taught myself, said Brad. But after I started winning some regionals, I joined a team so, uh, so that I could get sponsored and have a group to train with. Interesting. Brad waited for Thomas to question further, but no question came. So he decided to continue without an invitation. Uh, I won the WBC in 2012. No luck since then, I take it, said Thomas. Well, I, uh, yeah. He laughed, awkward. I I've, I've never been a consistent player. Not like you, anyway. He offered a sheepish grin. My mom had an album full of article clippings, talking about me like I was some kind of prodigy, the next big thing. But it feels like it's been forever, I'll forever be a footnote in history. Brad waited for the words of affirmation to come from his hero. Thomas just took another drink from his glass. 
finishing it off before setting it down next to Brad's empty bottles. Uh, can I get you a drink in exchange for another game? It would be a real pleasure. Sure, said Thomas. Give me a Guinness. I actually make it two. Brad sprinted down the stairs and returned several minutes later with a tray bearing two pints of Guinnesses. Thomas began setting up the table for the next game, Brad hovering over him. You know, this place is pretty magical, getting to play a game of pool like this. He wasn't quite sure how to say it, but figured Thomas knew what he was getting at. I mean, this is the sort of place where anything can happen, you know what I'm saying? Not anything, said Thomas. There are limits. Well, yeah, but still, two former champs, one coming back from, well, from the grave, so to speak. Uh, that's not the kind of encounter you'd expect to have anywhere else. Thomas looked at him. Magical indeed. When I walked up here, I didn't realize that you were, well, he rubbed his chin. Let's just say I don't meet a lot of pool pros at bars. He took a sip of his beer. You want a break? Sure. Brad broke, and with his hands guided by instinct, managed to sink five balls consecutively. Like magic, his shots always connected. Some people might buckle under pressure, but Brad's performance always seemed to rise to the occasion. With just two striped balls left, Brad knew he was on a streak, but as he lined up his next shot, he took a moment to consider the position of the eight ball. It was nestled in the awkward position behind Thomas's balls, but if he could clear a path to it while sinking the last stripe... Brad looked at the sea of balls and knew there was no way for him to mentally calculate every vector, but instinct had gotten him this far, and he wasn't about to stop listening to it now. Brad took the shot, and the cue ball knocked the last striped ball into the corner pocket. Then the cue ball bounced off the table, back toward Thomas's clusters of balls. <clears throat> Brad grinned in elation as the cue ball hit a solid, which hit another, and another, in a chain reaction that sent the eight ball heading right towards the corner, just like he'd wanted. It was headed right towards the corner where there were no balls to intercept it. It was headed right towards the corner, into the pocket. He stopped grinning. Brad knew with a growing dread that the friction of the cloth wouldn't be enough to stop the ball in time. He watched the impending disaster happen in slow motion powerless to stop it. The game had been going so well. He'd been about to hit a perfect game in front of his childhood hero, and now he was going to lose it in the most inglorious way imaginable. An accidental, illegal combination shot. Brad closed his eyes, but not even God could help him now. He didn't need to see it. The sound of the ball plunking into the pocket was enough. He'd lost the game. Well... Holy crap, that was 15 minutes? I like that story. <clears throat> we got... Oh, there's at least one other thing up here. Where was it? We got Maddie's inbox. Advisory roll. Uh, let's try Maddie's inbox. Oh, this is like an email inbox. I don't know if we should be reading Maddie's mail. Let's try the advisory roll. Alright. <clears throat> Maddie was washing her hands when Ashley poked her head around the corner. Here to confess something or here to ask for something? Thought Maddie to herself as, dried, as she dried her hands and turned thought Maddie to herself as dried her hands and turned to face the girl. This is another time when a pronoun has been dropped from a sentence, so I'm going to blame Australia. Sorry, Dan K. The grin on Ashley's face confirmed that it was the latter. 
Maddie arched an eyebrow and turned to the copy grinder. Ashley stepped close around the corner and stood close enough to Maddie to occupy her field of view. Every time Maddie turned, Ashley again repositioned herself. She was waiting for Maddie to notice her. After a minute, Maddie decided that having Ashley hovering around her was more, more distracting than indulging in whatever it was that she wanted to talk about. What do you need, Ashley? I don't need anything, said Ashley. Though, now that you mention needing things, I think you might need something. Such as... An advisor! Ashley smiled triumphantly as she delivered the word. Uh-huh. Well, what would I need an advisor for? To advise you, of course, said Ashley. And I suppose you have a suggestion for who I should take on as an advisor? Well, now that you mention it, I'm not too busy. I could be your advisor. Because you're an expert on... Advising! Oh, that's what an advisor needs to know about. And what makes you an expert on advising? I've been learning a lot about advisors. They get to help make important decisions, and then the person they're advising has to take responsibility for them. That's why I'd make a good advisor. Because you don't want to take responsibility for your actions? I'd take responsibility for my advice, but if someone follows my advice, then that's their decision and their responsibility. Duh. I don't think I need an advisor. Oh, but you do. Aren't you always complaining about how busy you are? Yes. So busy that I don't have time to do extra counseling sessions with you. I'm not going to be your counselor, Maddie. I'm going to be your advisor. The difference being... Counselor counsels and an advisor advises. Of course. Busy people always seem to have advisors. The Prime Minister has advisors. Presidents, too. All the most important people have advisors. The advisors tend to be more experienced than they are. Advice travels from those who have it to those who need it. Well, I'm doing fine, so I don't need advising. But you could do with some advising, and I've got, and I'd be happy to give you the advice I've got. Plus, you're more important than I am. You're kind of like the prime minister of the terminal, or the president of the terminal, or whatever. The kind of person who needs advisors. I see. So am I hired? You already have a lot on your plate, I'm sure. Nope. I've got lots of time free. Ah, in that case, you have time to wash these dishes for me, said Maddie, tossing a dry rag to Ashley. Let me know when you're done. Wait! I'm only free to advise. I'm physically fatigued from a long day of work. Only my mind has extra processing power. I can only help you if it's by advising. Well, advising has physical responsibilities associated with it, right? Said Maddie. Like, sometimes an advisor will go to places to get important information. I guess so. I can do anything that relates to giving you information. In that case, advisor Ashley, I need you to give me a report on which of these plates looks best when it's sparkling clean. Uh, but they're all dirty right now. Exactly. Time for you to do some investigative research. See ya. Good. I like that story. And it was only four minutes long instead of 15. Um, keep the balance. All right, there's a sign near the stairs to go downstairs called Keep the Balance. We also have Delicate Operation. We saw Billiards 1. Let's just check over here. There's a... <clears throat> There's like some pipe controls on the walls and stuff. It's very like steampunky Portland bookstore type thing. I say never having been in a Portland bookstore, but it's what I imagined a bookstore in Portland to look like, you know. It's a vibe. It does look like some bookstores here in uh, Boise. Um, I'm gonna continue to skip on reading the inbox. Let's read Delicate Operation. <clears throat> uh, 
Ash would step behind the counter and winced as the floor creaked under her feet. Maddie was nowhere to be seen, but Maddie did possess a remarkably sharp sense of hearing. Luckily, the cafe was empty as Ashley tiptoed to the case where Maddie kept the baked goods. Ashley lifted the glass lid off the case and closed her eyes as the scent of yesterday's lemon... Lamingtons? Is that a food? Is that some foreign food? I suppose it must be. As the scent of yesterday's lamingtons wafted up and overwhelmed her. Ashley had spent most of her life convinced that she didn't like coconuts, but that had changed the day that Che introduced her to lamingtons. To be fair, Ashley still wasn't sure that she actually liked coconut. Chocolate frosting could make anything taste good, but she couldn't deny the cake's irresistible allure. Ashley lifted a lamington from the case and gently set the lid back down. She raised the lamington to her lips and opened her mouth to take a bite. Ashley? In a moment of panic, Ashley shoved the pastry into her mouth and sealed her lips. Her mouth was quickly overwhelmed by the pastry's thick frosting covering, and she did her best to choke it down before turning to face Maddie. Uh-huh? Was Ashley hoping that her cheeks didn't betray what was inside. Ah, good, you're here, said Maddie. It was a bad time any time. It was a bad sign any time Maddie expressed pleasure at seeing Ashley. Normally, Maddie waved, wavered between being annoyed by Ashley's presence and being indifferently tolerant of her. Anytime Maddie was happy to see Ashley, it meant work. I need you to deliver something to Che for me, said Maddie, turning to the counter to pick up a small bottle of something. As Maddie turned towards her as Maddie turned her attention to the bottle, Ashley took advantage of her momentary distraction to gulp down the remainder of the pastry. No time to chew, but her teeth wouldn't have done much good with the thick frosting. You're not busy, are you? said Maddie. Ashley shook her head no. The pastry was no longer inside her mouth to create a conspicuous bulge of cheeks, but opening her mouth would reveal the thick chalk of frosting that was still probably present on her teeth, so she kept her lips sealed. Good, said Maddie. He's upstairs. Get this to him ASAP. She handled the bottle to Ashley, and Ashley found herself surprised by how light the bottle was. Looking down, she could see that the bottle had thin walls. Within those thin walls, it contained some clear liquid, and the seal was held in place by a metal clamp, hermetically sealed. Ashley turned towards the stairs, holding the neck of the bottle in one hand, and let out a sigh. One last thing. Ashley swallowed her sigh with a gulp and closed her mouth before facing Maddie, lips tightly shut. Be careful not to drop it, said Maddie. Thousands could die if you spilled any of it. In any other situation, Ashley would have asked Maddie a probing question to figure out what was in the bottle, or get some idea of the significance of the task that had been assigned to her. Significant enough that thousands of lives held in the balance, but apparently not important enough to Maddie to do it herself. But Ashley's zips remained sealed, and she merely nodded and turned around. Lamingtons were not meant to be consumed in a single bite, especially by mouths as small as Ashley's, and the thickness of the frosting that lingered in her mouth and throat made her desperate to ask for some kind of drink, but she dared not ask for one. Ashley looked down at the bottle, unsure of the best way to carry it. The bottle was slightly too large for her to hold in just one hand, and grasping it in front of her with two hands felt awkward. The bottle wasn't heavy, but Ashley's confidence in her ability to carry the bottle without dropping it was less than perfect. Should she cradle it under her arm protectively? No, that seemed like it put her at greater risk of fumbling the bottle. The crook of her elbow wasn't as dexterous as her fingertips. She settled for carrying the bottle with just one hand placed under the bottom to hold the weight, and the other hand wrapped around the neck to steady it. Ashley walked slowly with the bottle as she ascended the stairs. Maddie hadn't told her that the liquid was volatile, and the bottle was hermetically sealed, so there was zero chance of anything spilling out, but that didn't change the sense of trepidation Ashley felt. Armed with the knowledge that there were potentially thousands of lives at stake, she cringed every time she saw the liquid sloshing inside the bottle, leaping up and lapping the edges of the seal. Ashley realized her arms were shaking and pressing the bottle against her chest, and pressed the bottle against her chest, hoping to steady it. As Ashley's hands shook nervously with the bottle held against her chest, she wondered if the huge amount of sugar she had just forced down her throat had something to do with the shaking. 
It was more likely that her shaking was the result of being told that thousands of lives could be lost if she dropped the bottle. Still, the lingering taste of the pastry in her mouth didn't help. Ashley silently lamented the fact that she had been forced to consume the lamington so abruptly. Lamingtons were a treat to be savored, not shoved into one's mouth in a moment of panic. She hadn't even had the chance to properly enjoy it. It was hard to simultaneously feel the pleasure of a tasty treat and the panic of being caught. Whenever the outcome of this, whatever the outcome of this errand, she had wasted a wonderful pastry. Several agonizing minutes later, Ashley arrived at the top of the stairs and spotted Shay standing on the handrail. As she walked up, Shay turned to face her and she presented him with the bottle. Ashley cleared her throat of any lingering stickiness before speaking. <clears throat> Uh, Maddie said you need this. Ah, good, said Shay. I was running low. Ashley gasped with relief as Shay took the bottle from her and started taking deep, labored breaths, suddenly becoming aware of how high her heart rate was. Shay popped up in the seal of the bottle, then splashed some of it onto a rag. Several drops dripped onto the floor, and Ashley let out a terrified squeak. Uh, something wrong? said Shay. Maddie! Maddie said that thousands of lives can be destroyed if what's by what's in that bottle. Oh, well, that's the idea, said Shay, as he folded the rag and ran along the railing that overlooked the cafe's ground level. This is supposed to kill 99.9% .9 of all bacteria, but that still leaves hundreds of bacteria alive, but I try not to think about it that hard. Ashley's jaw dropped. It's disinfectant? Yeah. Well, why? Did Maddie not tell you? Ashley's shoulders slumped in a mix of relief and exasperation. She only told me that it could kill thousands. And you didn't ask what she meant by that? No. I was preoccupied. Huh. He turned his attention back to the railing, inspecting it for a moment before continuing to wipe it. Ashley turned to head back stairs. By the way, Ashley. Ashley turned to face Che. He reached out and placed a finger on her shirt, wiping off a bit of frosting. He raised it to his finger and... He raised it to his finger and smelled it? He already has... What? I think he means nose. Chocolate? He said. Yes. One of Madding's Lamingtons? Yes. Che nodded and licked the frosting off his finger. Go downstairs and bring one up for me too, will you? Good. Good punchline. Um. Hmm. Well, there's a sign near the way back downstairs and there's this email thing. I'm gonna try skipping the email. Let's read the sign that goes back downstairs, but first take a drink. <clears throat> You're overdue this week, said Ned. He tapped the list of rules that Maddie kept posted by the door. This 24-hour rule, are you sure you've been enforcing it? I think how we run things around here is none of your business, said Maddie. Actually, it absolutely is my business, said Ned. In fact, keeping the rules is basically my only business. That's kind of what the word enforcer means. I'm supposed to scold you for breaking the rules. So audit me. Fine, said Ned. Let me check your ledger. We don't keep a ledger. Maybe you should. Lots of places do. It's a great system. You have someone stand at the door and have them mark down whenever someone comes in or leaves. Then you forcibly evict people who are overstaying their welcome. I'm amazed that you don't have a system like that in place. Some people overstay their welcome. Other people understay, understay it, says Che. So no need to keep a strict track of how long people stay, right? Just maintain the balance. You're right, said Ned. All that matters is maintaining the balance. So maintain the balance because when you don't, then we have a problem. 
Ah, uh, we're a bit short-staffed to have someone acting like a full-time doorman, said Mandy. Figure it out, said Ned. He tapped the board, listing the rules. Change 24 hours to 23 hours. When you say 24 hours, people think you just colloquially mean one day, and they don't pay attention to the specific time. When you say 23 hours, people actually have to keep track of what time it is. Um, that would be fine, except for the part where you're cutting time out of people's day. Trust me, said Ned. Anyone who'd go right up to the limit is probably going to go over it. 23 hours is going to mean 23 hours plus an extra 5 minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour. Half an hour plus however long it takes to finish their drink. And if they leave in less than 24 hours, who gives a shit? I give a shit, said Jay. You're right, you should give a shit. In fact, you should celebrate whenever you manage to scooch someone out of here in under 24 hours because the balance is upset and you've got to correct it. You can either correct the balance one hour at a time or the council can come in here and repossess some souls. Or we can find someone who knows how to manage this property responsibly. He turned to Che. Come on, buddy. I don't want to have to take this place away from you. That would be quite the escalation, said Maddie. Well, you're already in the first level of escalation, which is a stern talking to. Let's try not to escalate it any further. We'll... Che sighed, but Maddie cut him off. We'll change the rule to 23 hours, okay? Buzz off. Wow, really? Said Ned. Well, okay then. And while you're rewriting the signs, you should also take the green tea frappuccino off the menu. Perhaps it should be for coffee, not for tea. Done, said Maddie. Oh, wait, really? Said Ned. Damn, I didn't realize you were so open to feedback. Also, that caramel will take it under advisement, Maddie said, placing a hand on Ned's chest and physically pushing him out the door. Hold up, said Ned. What are you doing? Removing an unwanted guest, said Maddie. I need the practice if we're going to start enforcing these rules you care so much about. Now I, said Ned, and he continued backpedaling to stay upright. Look, you could just buy, said Ned, Maddie, as Ned crossed the threshold out of the cafe, and Maddie shut the door in his face. She turned around, leaned her back against the door, and sighed. Che raised an eyebrow. You're serious about the rule change? Yeah, said Maddie. I'll change the sign on the menu after we close tonight. Wait, really? The rule change is just to keep him off our back, said Maddie. And the menu thing? I haven't mean to take that off anyway, said Maddie. It's kind of a menu item that attracts the worst sort of people. Well, okay, said Shay. Though I do think we should change the rule back to 24 hours after things have had enough time to balance out. Of course, said Maddie. Wouldn't want to upset the balance too far in the opposite direction. What would we do with all that extra time anyway? Okay, now that we've read that story, we can go back downstairs. I think I can do this a little longer. Let's try and do one more chapter. <clears throat> we can enter doodle mode with Ashley. It doesn't seem like what we want. I can continue the story with Maddie. <clears throat> yeah. I should drink during the loading screens. <clears throat> Alright, we have, um... What's his name? Kisan? 
Day two, 12 p.m. The terminal. Uh, he, uh, he's at one of the side tables waking up from his drinking. Rise and shine! Don't wanna. Shouldn't waste your last hours on Earth sleeping. Huh. Man, I was hoping I was having a really long, weird dream. Heh. <laughs> Sorry, no such luck. <clears throat> Still having trouble getting my head around it. I totally understand. Want a coffee? Yeah. Just something simple. Hipster coffee, coming right up. What's going on downstairs? I didn't even know you had it downstairs. There's more to this place than meets the eye. Maddie's down there desperately trying to fix our debt situation. Sounds like she's hosting a cage match or something. Well, not exactly. But she's mentioned wanted to do that. There's some wrestler called the Red Comet that she wouldn't stop talking about for a while. <laughs> and then because of that, Ashley got obsessed with wrestling for a bit and kept trying to suplex me. Did she manage to? She's tiny. A couple times. Ha! It was very humiliating. I can imagine. But to properly answer your question, Maddie's running a gambling ring. Downstairs? All by herself? It's a fairly unconventional one. And by unconventional, you mean... Mortals generally aren't involved. The stakes are higher than usual. Oh. Any... Coffee's ready. Come over and get it. <clears throat> the gamble for time, among other things. You don't sound like you're a huge fan of the idea. I'm not. It's undignified. I mean, as long as Maddie's not in danger, shouldn't it be, even not, shouldn't it be fine? The council doesn't like it. They turn a blind eye because we don't cause trouble otherwise. But I'd rather not have to worry about bad things coming our way, because Maddie refuses to approach the problem from a different angle. And by the problem, you mean the debt, yeah? I was pretty drunk, but I think I remember Maddie storming off after Ned turned up. Yes. I'm a bit worried about her. Hmm, wish I could help. You all seem pretty nice. Uh, thoughts appreciated. Maddie will figure it out eventually, though, I'm sure. She just needs time. Mmm. Hey, thanks for the coffee, by the way. I just realized you haven't actually made me pay for a bunch of them. Heh, <laughs> how'd you expect to pay for them? Oh, right. Yep, no cash. If I were feeling particularly capricious, I'd ask you to pay in time, but... You're a nice kid, and you need every minute you've got. Wanna head downstairs? I can see your eyes darting to the stairs. I'm not going down, but I'm also not gonna stop you. Yeah, if that's okay. Go on then, I'll stick around up here. Let's catch you in a bit. Finish off the coffee and head downstairs. <clears throat> the stairs that led <clears throat> the stairs that led down to the basement were solid and well worn, with smooth ruts on each step and a handrail that had been polished to a silky sheen through years of use. Keishan had always liked stairwells. People never lingered in them for long, and he found them to be a good place to catch a breather. He wasn't obsessed with them, that'd be weird, but he definitely appreciated a nice set of stairs. On further reflection, it was probably a little weird. Downstairs, Maddie's audience clamored for blood. From you to me. With the understanding that your remaining moments on this plane are limited, you surrender this time freely without coercion, as agreed. Contract fulfilled. You're free to go. Whew. 
That's three in a row, you bloodthirsty bastards. The crowd cheered. Maddie was clearly an expert at winding them up into a frenzy. Who's next? The room fell dead silent. Come on, isn't anyone here brave enough to challenge me? I thought you came here to play with knives, you pansies. Seriously? Anyone? Don't hold out on me. <coughs> Do I need to pick someone from out of the crowd then? Is this what we've come to? Maddie's gaze swept the audience. Keishan, good to see you upright. Interested in a game of skill? Uh, me? Yes, you. Oh, uh, sure. Give me some enthusiasm, my man. Sure. Uh, what's the game? Five finger fillet. Some of the people in here just call it the knife game. You heard of it? Oh, finally something I'm good at. Episode three, Rise and Shine. So Keyshan has a, uh, <clears throat> a standard kitchen knife in hand. You've got a lot of knives in this place. Tell me about it. He flips it around. Damn, this thing has a good weight to it. Of course, I wouldn't make you complete compete with an inferior tool. Ha! Hmm, what? Sorry, I was waiting for you to segue into calling me an inferior tool. Shit, that was low-hanging fruit, wasn't it? Next time, mate. Sure. Keishin did another experimental slash, and this time it made an audible whoosh. Spectators oohed and awed, but this wasn't for them. He knew that he only had one shot to get accustomed to this blade. You done showing off? Nothing wrong with putting on a little show. Sounds like you're stalling for time. Getting cold feet, perhaps? Psh, not a chance. Let's get started, then. You know what you're wagering? She mentioned something about you gambling with time. Uh, it's not gambling if it's a game of skill, but that's beside the point. We're both wagering four hours. If you win, it comes from the cafe balance. If you, if I win, it comes from yours. You've got around 16 hours less left in case you weren't keeping track. Shit, only that many? Want a little extra time to play with then? Hell yes. Let's stop wasting it and get this over with. You sure you know what you're getting into? Most people are pretty shy about playing with the time they have left, especially when their tanks are running as empty as yours. Yep, come on. Unless you're getting cold feet. Hardly. You've got 30 seconds. Smack the timer when you're ready. Alright. The crowd cheered and Keishin fed off their enthusiasm. In response, Maddie leaned back and tapped her finger on the table, feigning impatience. He met her eyes, grinned, and continued his performance. His stabbing motion got faster as he went, to the point narrowly missing each of his fingers. Stabs, strong enough to drive the knife a millimeter or two into the table, were good if you wanted to put on a show. And of course, giving the spectators a show was part of the fun. You might be going fast enough to put on a show, but you're not going fast enough to win. How'd I do? 16 sets, if I counted correctly. Whoa. I couldn't do 16. That's how many Maddie beat me with. Is she gonna lose? Nah, she's gonna kick his arse. Feeling good about that result? Certainly am. Rightio, then. Watch closely. Oh, I will. 16. She hits the bell. One. Three. Seven. Eleven. One, three, seven, eleven, fifteen. Told ya, she's unbeatable. Is it magic? She could cheat if she wanted to. Definitely not, she's just that good. Poor guy, he didn't know what he was getting into. Sorry, mate. You beat me fair and square. I'm pretty impressed. I aim to please. I'll be taking those hours now, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, sure. How does this work? Just like this. You won't feel a thing. Keishin felt a brief tightness in his chest, and for just a moment, the tip of Maddie's finger burned white hot. Ow! Shit! Sorry, I lied. It's done now, though. Alright! Does anyone else dare to compete with me? Come on, looking for some actual decent opposition here. I'll take any challenge, even if it's chess or something. Any challenge. I challenge you. To get everyone a drink. Oh, Chase, come in. Round's on me. I didn't realize you were watching. Wasn't anything happening upstairs, and I got bored. Right. So, you took some hours from Kishin, huh? Yes, I did. Did you feel good about that? Che, did you? I won them fair and square. He didn't know what he was getting into. There's an obvious power imbalance here that you're exploiting. He knew the rules! That doesn't change anything. You led him to believe that he's got some extra time. And, barring a miracle on his part, that absolutely wasn't going to happen. It doesn't matter. He's just passing through. A couple hours won't make any difference. And then he does a wall slam on her. Maddie, I'm disappointed in you. Our patrons respect us. We need to earn that respect by treating them with respect ourselves. This is not respectful or dignified. Cheating vulnerable passers through out of their time, we're above that. We're better than that. I don't care whether you think it's dishonest or not. I want you to give that poor man his time back. Don't pout. This is serious. I feel like a broken record saying this, but where I understand your intentions are good, you can't keep doing these things. Oh, wow. Uh, it's all for you. If you really want to do this for me, find another way. This isn't worth it, Maddie. It breaks my heart to see you're like this, and I know that you're trying your hardest. But this really, truly is not worth sacrificing your own self-respect for. Everyone here respects you, but your gambling with hours just cheapens that. Uh, I'll, I'll give the hours back. Shame. I was pretty great with the knife. Still not as good as me. I, I was pretty close. And she walks off. Well, begins to walk off. Okay, that's the end of the scene. Sometimes I can't always tell, like, the animation will pause until you keep pushing A. <laughs> oh crap, are we at 43 minutes again? <laughs> Loveless. Yes? What form did you have before being reborn? I think it was a crab. Oh, I think I was a crab. Come on, I'm being serious. I actually wouldn't harvest spirit liquid from a crab. You're listening an awful lot about how squeamish she is. As far as I can remember, I lived above streets next to the sky. So a bird then? Wings and feathers and such? Mm, no, not that. I do remember flying though. Oh, were you a sugar glider? Describe. Did you eat insects and tree sap and flower nectar? That is familiar. Wonder how Ashley found you then. Could have been anything really. You mentioned bright lights earlier. Oof. Yeah, I'm thinking you got hit by a car. That seems likely. Is that bad? I mean, you're here now, so... Whether you like it or not. Shut up. I am still adjusting. 
<clears throat> That's all for the peanut gallery. We're up to 45. And here's the thing, friends. This is my last gulp of water. Alright. <clears throat> studio mode is now available. You can now speak to Keyshan to access studio mode. But... But I thought that we were playing as Keyshan during these first-person sections. That's weird. So our options are Wandering Spirit. Uh, we have Rotten Poppy. We can go... This is like we're down in the storage room. We can go between all the aisles and stuff. Ashley's Journal 2. I may have to... Uh, I may have to call it here for now, friends, because I am just running out of voice. I've been walking, talking straight for like three hours or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, it wasn't particularly spooky, but uh, we have been, we've been dead today and we've gotten to a cafe at the edge of the afterlife. And that's, that's as Halloween as we're going to get this year. And um, I really like this game, so we'll probably play more of it sometime soon. Of course, there's also all the Bayonetta 3 to play and so forth, but we'll figure something out. Well, see you then.